Building a career in business development isn't the same as building a career as a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant. In those roles, you know where you're going in your life. You know what schools to go to and where you want to work and what life will probably look like at the end of a successful career. But when you're in a job like business development, well, no one's done the job for a full career. And that makes it really difficult to know where you're going next. On this podcast, we're going to be talking with members of the Fernio BD community about their career journeys, about how they broke in, how they navigated this ambiguously defined path, how they're paving their own road to find success in a career that they love. After the episode, if you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join a community of peers who are all pursuing a similar career journey, join us at Fernio.com. On this episode, our host, McKenna Spagnola, hears from Brendan Weitz about how he made the best of his rejection from a big corporate career in finance to create his own path to success at various startups, including AdRoll and Quora. Take a listen. Hi, I'm Brendan. I lead product partnerships at Quora. Every month, over 300 million people come to Quora to ask questions and get answers. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here. Um, Thank you for having me. <laughs> so I know you have a lot to tell us. Um, so would you like to start from the beginning? Yeah, sure. I'm going to take you all the way back. All right. So I think like my career in BD really started in like junior high school or high school. Uh, I was really into like, trying to sell things, a whole range of different types of things, like basketball cards, Beanie Babies, sneakers on eBay. And my dad, thank you, dad, for funding a lot of these unprofitable endeavors. But I just learned a lot about selling or trying to sell things, hustling from an early age, like trying to prove that I could build a business uh, all on my own and kind of do everything myself. I learned a lot about kind of failing as well very early on um, and how to deal with that failure, which helped me later on in the future. So from there, I went to college in Michigan and started dabbling in online marketing, specifically affiliate marketing. And reason being was I just wanted some, I wanted some cash to have to like pay for going to parties or pay for beer or whatever. And I just realized that like there was a huge opportunity to make money online, uh, you know, from your couch uh, that I had never known about before. So. I just learned a lot about online marketing through you know, reading and talking to a lot of people who are doing this in college. And I was able to actually build up a good knowledge base in, in college and get uh, turn that into summer internships like while I was in school. And ultimately, I landed an internship at a big affiliate marketing company here in New York. And that's kind of when I first started learning about startups. And that was like in 2000. I don't know, like 2006. And back then, like now, New York is like kind of a hotbed for startups and it's kind of like Silicon Alley, but it wasn't really big back then. Like everyone was wanted to be a lawyer or a doctor or, you know, work in finance that lived in New York. So it was kind of unique that I was working. I had an internship at this startup and I was learning about how like tech companies take like what Silicon Valley was doing and bring that to New York where there was a lot more focus here on like 
fintech or you know retail and fashion tech art so nonetheless got a lot of great experience through uh, through those internships but uh, another lesson came through like my my junior senior of, of college where I had a lot of great experiences but I kind of like followed the trend uh, a little bit like everyone was trying to get a banking job or trying to get a consulting job out of school because like that was the only way to make money and obviously that's wrong but uh, I was like I need to do that so I uh, I tried to do that too and but then like the recession hit this is like 2008 2009 and like Goldman Sachs I think we're actually like in Goldman Sachs office or like yeah. they're right next door it's funny I was like I remember like it's probably the last time I was here PTSD uh, like, from yeah, like your two, probably like 2000 and yeah, 2008 when I when I got rejected. Um, <laughs> but they had like the recession hit, and like the year before, there was like 500 internships or 500 entry level jobs for Goldman. And like the year that I applied, there was like 10. And I was like, "There's no way that I'm like a top 10 global, you know, trader or you know, entry level trader." So nonetheless, I got rejected. I didn't make it through like. You know, Goldman Bank of America, Merrill at that time, and so I actually like reverted back and went into went to work in affiliate marketing at a startup. That job was specifically a sales job. Like I had never actually done sales before, but it was entry level. And actually, my mom like introduced me to the CEO of this company, and so like my mom and dad, obviously, as you can see, like have a thread throughout my whole early career of like just helping me make connections and, and learn a lot. But I was essentially a 21-year-old uh, seller, cold emailing, cold calling, big brands for you know tens of thousands of dollars. And that was kind of the first place where I learned how important it was to like get mentors and you know learn a lot from your bosses. Hopefully they're good bosses and uh, and seek out a lot of mentors to help you through and try to gain experience and try to gain unfair competitive advantages early on. So I did that and you know that that startup was, you know, a re- kind of the one of the red hot startups. It was called Next Jump um, in 2009 and it was also when like my first experience with stock options. So like I was given like what I had thought was a, a lot of stock options and my CEO at the time had actually told me like you know, because I was doing well uh, for for the time and for how, how how old I was in terms of like being able to support myself. That like we were going to go IPO, we were going to get acquired for hundreds of millions of dollars, and you know I wouldn't have to work again. So I learned very quickly like how stock options work, mostly how how much bullshit they are, unless you really understand kind of how um, how everything works. Um, with stock option or startup equity, should I say? So that was a huge learning for me. Um, that helped me a lot as I was choosing jobs and negotiating offers um, uh, throughout my career. Um, I ended up never making a dollar on that equity, but I kind of got like a mini MBA on like online marketing and sales, and met met people, uh, really great people that I'm still very close with today. And then from that point on, I, I just realized I wanted to get like a name brand on my resume and Facebook was blowing up at the time. It was it was not as big as it was as it is today, but there was like, I think like 300, 400 million users on Facebook and now there's like two point something billion, which is crazy to think about. 
but I was like, I have to work at this company. So I like cold emailed, you know, like 50 recruiters. One of them got back to me and I ended up getting a, going through the process and there was like a bunch of catches though. I, I got an offer, but I had to move to Austin, Texas. And, and also the offer was like 30, 40% less than I had been making. So it was like a huge decision for me because I had to like leave all my friends. I've always been from New York and I was making less money and I was gonna be alone in Texas. But you know, I, I realized I ended up making the, pulling the trigger and making the jump. And uh, it was like definitely one of the best decisions I've ever made because I met so many great people there. That was like the first time I was actually like in a, a big company. To me, like that's a, it was a really big company. It was like a thousand people at the time. Uh, I'm sitting in American Express. There's probably like a hundred thousand people in this office, but um, that's probably too much. There's probably a hundred thousand people at American Express globally, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I like got tr- I was like formally trained for the first time in sales, in marketing, and Facebook at the time was creating a new category that no one had ever like thought of before. The social media category that's kind of commonplace today. So I learned like what it was to kind of create a category and. And also, like, learn how to, um, you know, sell into really big brands, uh, be a change agent within these organizations. So I think from there, like, I ended up, you know, doing really well. I was like one of the top salesperson, salespeople at Facebook in like 2000 and I don't know, 11. And then, uh, like, typical. I guess I'm like on the cuff of like, I'm still a millennial. Like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm still a millennial. I think, right? I like in typical millennial fashion, I. Uh, like wanted to work on more complex things. I wanted more responsibility. I felt like I should do more. But nonetheless, I was like, I was the youngest person on the sales team, I think, in North America at the time. So looking back, I was probably like, my bosses were probably like, this kid's crazy. Like he just needs to do his job. But uh, it led me to like my first like BD type of, uh, like the, the actual title BD. I like befriended a lot of the Facebook BD team. And that, at that time, uh, if you think about 2010, 2011, 2012 was when they were doing uh, like very interesting deals with like Spotify and you can like listen to music with your friends and like things with like Netflix to watch things with your friends. And I was just like, wow, these are like really complex, ambiguous, like highly strategic, highly negotiable deals. Uh, and it just seemed really hard. And I was like, I need, I need to get on that team. But I didn't have like a Harvard MBA or a Wharton MBA or um, anything like that. And like the entire team had that. So I was like, okay, no chance I'm going to get on this team. And I, although I tried, they, they basically said, you know, like you have to put more sweat equity into the sales side before you're going to um, get in here. So I like didn't have the patience and I, you know, was living in San Francisco at the time and uh, obviously, there's a lot of opportunity there to join early stage companies, and I ended up connect. I was working on ads at Facebook, and we worked with a lot of partners. One of the partners I had befriended the the execs at that company. It was like 40 people. It's called AdRoll, and they had an opening for a director of BD reporting to the founder. So I took the plunge and left Facebook um, a year after the IPO. A lot of people thought I was crazy, and. Essentially, it was like another great, I think, another great decision uh, that was a really hard one to make because I was able to just make much higher impact and work on more complex projects. And so I was really thrown into the deep water there, like figuring out new channels for growth, you know, strate- running strategic alliances, building an API program, figuring out international markets for the company, and just had, like had a lot of exec 
visibility, uh, which I had never had before. So uh, I definitely thank the execs at, at AdRoll for giving me more responsibility than I deserved at that time. And uh, I mean, I, I think that journey was like I we, when I joined, it was 40 people. I left six years, five and a half years later, it was five, five, six hundred people. So got to experience like massive growth, the highs and lows of that. And um, I just learned that BD was a function that uh, you can kind of make your own if you if you're I think if you're good at it and you build the right relationships, you can create the role because you see gaps in value or you see gaps in the company that you think you can fill. And uh, and that's kind of what led me to just working in BD. I think, you know, ultimately I wanted to uh, at, at a, towards the end of my tenure at AdRoll. Um, I, I mean, in, in AdRoll, we were like. It wasn't the sexiest thing in the world. We were just following people around the internet with ads, but it worked really well and the tech was good, but the people were even better. So that's another important lesson that I learned like all throughout. was like the people are probably the most important. And I wanted to just get back to the consumer side, you know, work at a company that had hundreds of millions of users, but a small team and Quora. Uh, I had met some people at Facebook who were at Quora and got connected back in there. And that's kind of where I've been for the past year and a half uh, running product partnerships. So I sit on the product team at Quora and I'm responsible for everything monetization BD, which is today is just ads. Tomorrow it could be other revenue streams and then consumer uh, BD, which is really about growth uh, for users uh, and all the different ways that we can do that. So that was a lot, but uh, <laughs> awesome. that was, well, thanks uh, for hopefully sharing. that was not too terrible. No, it sounds like you've had quite the range of experiences, which is super cool. And that's why I always love listening to people's stories, because I think probably to you, it doesn't seem that unique. But to someone else, they're like, how did you do that? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I would love to know, it seems like you've experienced BD in a lot of different realms, a lot of different settings. Yeah. What does BD mean to you now? Yeah, it's a good question. I think for me, it's really, I, I honestly think it means something different at, at every company. But for me, specifically, the role is a third sales, a third strategy, and a third relationship management or partner management. But I think to be really good, you have to also be, uh, you have to pick up and grok uh, legal to be like part lawyer, part financial analyst, like part product marketer. Like you need to like be able to flex and be agile across a lot of different um, areas, because typically what I've learned is like BD doesn't get funded. Like so, you have to play a lot of roles early on to build the business case, versus something like sales or marketing, which is like it's more um, you know that's already like a, a given or a known at a company. Like there's a, there's going to be a sales team. There's going to be a budget for sales. There's going to be headcount for sales. Same for marketing, same for product. BD is really like, unless there's someone there that is going to be like the champion of that, because it also involves all of those different functions. Uh, BD can't really do well without marketing or potentially sales or, or I mean, definitely not product or eng. Yeah, in short, sales strategy relationship management. But for me, I always say to like anyone I'm trying to hire or um, anyone who I'm talking to, like I would try to, you have to be a product expert and that takes technical expertise and you have to like be your own lawyer sometimes. Um, so 
It's a lot. I probably like dissuaded lots of people from BD, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to pick the best ones. <laughs> yeah. But that's interesting because you said something about, you know, you're kind of filling in the gaps in a company yeah. in a BD role. And a lot of companies, especially maybe smaller startups, they don't necessarily have a BD team like you were yeah. saying. Do you think that it's beneficial for a company or maybe even a smaller size company is kind of strapped for cash? Like, do you think it's beneficial for them to have people who are specifically focused on growing the business? Or do you think it's something that's kind of a collective effort and could be, you know, reached that way as well? I think it, Matt, it, it depends like what the, like there's a, I don't know, there's cases to be made that BD could even come before sales at a startup, but it's really about your distribution strategy. Like every startup is trying to sell something to someone and there's kind of a conversation that needs to be had about how you're going to do that. So BD can come in and, and think of things that are not transactional uh, type of ways to sell that thing to whomever you're trying to sell it to. And then I think, you know, there's sales obviously comes in at some point or, or first. But typically, like, the BD person, just like the first salesperson, is always going to be the founder at first. Um, so I've seen it work, you know, both ways, where, like, BD doesn't come in until super late. Like, I don't know, at Quora, I'm at Quora right now. Quora's a 10-year-old company. I was really, like, the first BD person at Quora. So... You know, I'm not saying that that's the best route, but like I also know companies where like BD is, you know, is a uh, a function before sales or marketing. So it goes both ways. And so it sounds like your ideal BD person is kind of a jack of all trades, yeah. kind of do all these different things, maybe has a varied experience. But what would be your advice for maybe somebody who is trying to break into BD or is trying to make a career switch and yeah. BD sounds really interesting to them, but then they're looking at jobs that seem very siloed into sales, marketing, like there's not always a business development role. Yeah. Like what would you suggest to people for how are they going to sell themselves to be a BD person? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, do you mean like entry-level folks or do you mean like... Just early I stage, or I mean, I think uh, I think there's like part of BD is sales. So like I think there's if you if you are in sales, like there's um, there's definitely a uh, a skill set that needs to be sharpened and needs to be refined over time. So that is an asset that can be used for BD. I think in BD there's a uh, you have to sometimes put like your analytical or, or analyst, financial analyst hat on when you're like building a business case. So I've seen people that are analysts come into BD. So I think uh, like if, if I approaching this question, like if you're inside of a company already and you want to work in BD, if there's not a BD team, like start doing stuff. I would just say like that's how it happened really for me at, at at AdRoll and even kind of at Quora. Like I just saw gaps in and where I knew that there was value that could be driven for the company. No one was working on it, and I was kind of just doing my my normal job and doing this job. And then once this started to get some traction, I brought it up and it became my core job. So I think like. If you wanna, if you're really, really passionate about doing this and you want to do it long term, I would say like go above and beyond and just start doing the job, uh, or start adding value. Um, if there's already a team there, 
start adding value for them in any way, shape, or form. People always like you know free resources. So um, if you're in in the early stage, I would I would definitely say that. That's awesome. And so kind of going back to when you're right out of college and you thought you were going to get this shiny job that like everybody else was doing, and I know especially a lot of people like who American are, Express. <laughs> no, <laughs> but. <laughs> A lot of people, especially who are in college and they're getting super stressed about, you know, if I don't get this job out of college, my life's over. That's it. I'm done for. Especially when you're in Manhattan and you're like, I have to afford rent and whatever. And, you know, that didn't pan out for you. Yeah, it didn't. But it sounds like that kind of might have been the best thing for you because it brought you into this other realm and you were, um, you know, super early in the tech startup space. Uh So. You know, what advice would you give to someone who maybe is a senior in college and kind of is in the thick of it or maybe just got that rejection from a top tier company and now is kind of left with, well, the recruiting season's over for all the big companies. Like, what do I do now? What would be your advice to them? Yeah, I think I would probably, um, I think like the, when you're in your 20s, it's like like number one, two, like one through five should just be learning. Uh, like you probably sh- you should try to not think about money as part of your um, approach to a job. I like I definitely didn't do that. Like I I took I took pay cuts. I almost took pay cuts like almost every year for my first couple of jobs. But these are the best decisions I ever made because the network that I built at these companies, like mo- more more so like the learnings that I got from these companies, like will last a lifetime. And so I would say like, number one, like don't worry because it's like a long game. We have, you know, I'm probably going to work till like I'm 80 years old. So I have like, I don't know, 50 something years left. You're killing um, it. You're doing yeah. great. <laughs> so it's a long game. I would say if, if like you're, you know, going for that banking job or whatever, and you don't get it or that consulting job or, or whatnot. Sometimes I, what I like when I was thinking about next jumps, I didn't like, I, I actually just thought about like products that I used or cared about. Um, and typically didn't look at companies that were hiring. If I wanted to work at a company, I just would try to like reach out to that company or network in and try to like create a role for myself. Like that's what happened at Quora, that's what happened at AdRoll, that's what happened at Facebook. Like there was no there was no role on a website that I was sending any resume out for to like some black hole. So I think like, that's a unique way where you can kind of stand out. Versus just like blasting out resumes to people's websites. Like, I don't know, email the CEO with something witty or something they should be doing to catch his eye. Gotta stand out. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's my advice. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) You're gonna be fine (laughs) if you take anything away from this. (laughs) Um, And so you're talking about, you know, you really want to work at Facebook and then you were presented with this job that you had to basically turn your life upside down for and move to a new place. I think you said that you had lived in California and you yeah. lived out of the country as well. Yeah. So can you kind of talk about how those experiences were different, how that kind of shaped your career now living in so many different places or maybe how they do business in different cities or... Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it was, it's it's awesome to get out of here. I'm like, I think what it comes down to is you want to be as uncomfortable as possible, as much as possible. I like that. Like if you're comfortable, then... I don't know, at least for me, maybe this isn't for everyone, but I think if you're uncomfortable in your job or in your you know, in your life, typically that means you're growing. 
So that's a good thing. When I get comfortable, I like kind of freak out. I'm like, I need a new job, I need to move or something. I think like that's what like moving, like packing up, moving, not knowing anyone, it just helps, helps, helps you grow. And you build network in other places. And uh, I think all of them were totally different. Like I, when I moved to, I, li- I lived in Austin. Austin was like just becoming this, you know, kind of bedrock for tech talent. You know, Facebook, Google, Apple had just moved there. The downtown was just getting built up. Facebook had 30, it was like me and it was like 30 people in the office when I went there. Now it's like a thousand, I think. And I just got to meet people from all over the country that had moved also for Facebook. So we were all in the same situation. So it was, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty awesome. Got to experience a great city where looking back on it, I would have applied to like UT Austin because that place is amazing. But I think then I moved to San Francisco for, with Facebook also. And I mean, that's a great experience because you're just like literally in the Mecca for technology globally. Like that's the Mecca that's, I mean, I, I like have a lot of pride in New York tech, but it'll never be and doesn't want to be what Silicon Valley is. So I think it's once again, a really great place to be if you, if you work in tech, I think, you know, personally it's a little homogenous there, but, but I think that once again, like my network is, is really great on the West coast and um, it's mainly driven through like lots of big tech companies and all those people leave and start companies and, you know, it gives you job opportunities, gives you investment opportunities. So that was a great experience. And I think for me, like the biggest one was I moved to Tokyo for uh, a year, almost two years with AdRoll. I was working on international for about a year and a half at AdRoll and um, we opened up uh, Dublin and Sydney and Tokyo. Uh, we were looking at Singapore and China. So like that by by far was like the most interesting to me because you got to understand how to do business in different languages and different cultures. And then most most uh, the most challenging is like being the connective tissue with headquarters back in um, back in San Francisco. So yeah, I mean for anyone that hasn't done that, I, I mean that I would. Like, yes, you should move around the U.S., but it's not that different per se. I would say, you know, if you can work internationally, that's like one of the best experiences I've ever had and, and, and like will continue to potentially like make myself available to do that in the future because, I mean, I think the economy is changing and, you know, the, uh, the Far East is getting stronger. So you should, you should understand that market really well, no matter what company you work for. You need to understand how to do business with or have a point of view on Japan, China, uh, Southeast Asia. So I would love to also work in Europe, too, but less so in the GDPR age. (laughs) Yeah, some complications. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess hindsight's 2020 sounds like, you know, you definitely don't regret going to any of those places. But I'm sure when you were first presented with the opportunity to move to Tokyo, for example, like yeah. what was going through your mind? Like, I'm sure you were freaked out. What made you decide to just go for it and do it? Yeah, I mean, I think, so I, I mean, it might be a little bit of a cop-out, but I I was working on Asia before I moved there. So I was going to Tokyo, you know, every quarter or so. And I just like, I love big cities. So like Tokyo is like, it was just fascinating to me, like the pace uh, the culture, um, it's kind of like organized chaos there. And I just took it upon myself to like try to learn the language. And I was like in deep already. Like at the time of when we were like, okay, we're doing this, 
I was like, okay, there's no one else that's going to do this but me. Like, I, I'm going to like jump on this opportunity. So I don't think I have. Uh, I mean, it was it was crazy, but like uh, I just kind of jumped in and, and did it. I feel like I had a little bit of. I had been doing it a little bit because like I moved to Texas, I moved to then moved to San Francisco, so it was just kind of like my next bigger step, so to say. Uh, and yeah. I know you're saying like when you get comfortable, that's when you kind of get a little stir crazy and you feel like you need to maybe try a new job, new company, whatever it yeah. is. Is that the only thing that makes you think you should make the leap and try a new job or leave your company? Or are there other things that, um, or other signs where you're like, okay, now I think it's time to leave? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people get really nervous about leaving their company or yeah. asking to work on a different team or something. So what's kind of that trigger for you? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's it's mostly been like the, the comfort thing because, and I think it, it lends to having a like BD kind of a function or, or role uh, because it changes a lot, right? Like it's, it's like my job at Advil changed every single year. So I was always doing something new. And so maybe that means I wouldn't be able to like do any other function really well because it doesn't change as often. But I think some other things for me, or if I was thinking about this would be, I touched on this in my story a little bit, but like the people are, you know, just as important as, um, or even more important than like the product or the company that you work at, like the people that you're going to be working with. You need to like really trust them, really like them, want to hang out with them, even, even if you don't hang out with them, want to, because like you're going to spend so much time with these people and like there's it's not that much time on earth that we have, so... Uh, if like you're not, if you don't like the people that you're surrounded with, uh, and you don't think that they're better than you, then that's a problem too. I would probably like start thinking about if you're in the right place or if you're in the right seat. So those are some things as well. Uh, I try not to think about like back when I was like uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of old now, but like when I first started out, I like would hop on to like trends a lot. You know, I mean, Facebook was a good one to hop onto, but I feel like there's a lot of uh, I don't pay attention to the market that much anymore around startups like you might have thought that like a company like I don't want to call it any companies but like co-working companies or um, <laughs> or like you know uh, you know micro mobility companies are like this trend then you have to like hop on the bus or hop on the train I feel like there's like always trains coming like don't worry about like some trend um, I just remember, like, specifically, I didn't leave, I didn't put it in my story, but before Facebook, I actually worked at a company called Ideally, which was, like, a flash sale site, like, competed with Gilt and Groupon and all those sites. Like, it was, like, a massive trend that I, like, jumped onto, um, and it was a terrible move, and I just, like, kind of followed this trend that was happening, um, so I don't do that anymore. And, like, Quora... A lot of people kind of laugh because they're like Quora is like that thing and like people ask questions like it's like Yahoo Answers like Quora has like no consumer marketing team really uh, or a small one like is very under the radar and I like that like we focus on we're like very focused as a company very lean focused on becoming profitable um, focused on like not what the press is doing or press is saying um, so I try to find, I, I guess the, the lesson there is like, 
I look for unsexy companies. I think Scott Galloway would like that if you if you listen to his stuff. That guy's a legend. <laughs> that guy's a legend. He would, he's like a professor at NYU. I know that you know name. Him? I don't know him, he's but I know that name. He's a professor of marketing. If he sees this, I love you, Scott. <laughs> um, no, but that that's definitely super interesting. And I think you've obviously worked at companies of different sizes. Yeah. Um, and. What would you say? It doesn't sound like you had any bad jobs necessarily, or ones you didn't. Really Ideally, like. it was pretty bad. I don't want. <laughs> we like, won't talk about that. One. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe we will. But um, you know, compared a big company compared to some of these smaller startups, yeah. like what are the pros and cons of working at both of those? Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, the pros of and like my big company experience is is Facebook in 2010. So. A lot of people are like, this company's not that big then. Um, but it was 1,000 people or maybe 2,000 people at the time. Um, uh, for me, it was like having formal training and having like very experienced people to look after me uh, and like to truly not have to like worry about keeping the lights on necessarily and like you could actually learn. Um, and then I think a good, a good something that a lot of people don't think about with big companies, like you can make a big company small, like you can work on you know a startup within a big company per se with resources. So you just don't have those opportunities in startups. You kind of just gotta like keep the lights on. Um, so uh, I also think in big companies, there's typically uh, a lot of opportunities to. Uh, do internal transfers and move to different roles and uh, move to different offices all over the world. And so um, at startups, that might be a lot harder. Um, the challenges, I think, are uh, you typically can't, you're not given like a ton of responsibility at a big company uh, most of the time. Like you are kind of in a silo. You're, you're one of lots of people uh, potentially doing the same job as you or, um, or somewhat. So I think that that could be a challenge um you kind of sometimes have to play like the corporate ladder and uh do the politicking and all that so i think i got a startup you kind of get thrown into the fire like it's like sink or swim uh so you learn i think like one year at a big company might be uh i don't know like three years at a startup um necessarily because uh you have to be agile flexible versatile to do lots of things and uh, and I also think you probably get, you work um, potentially more closer with execs and founders and learn about that. Um, so there's pros and cons to both. I would say like, you know, for someone just starting out, like try to try to get both for sure. And it sounds like you've really grown your network as far as either friends or mentors. And do you think that that has really shaped your career to where you are now? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, my... My mentors are definitely like my parents for sure, um, but in terms of work, yeah, like I'm still at every company I've been to. Like I talk to like my the few people at every company, or more than a few at this point. But we all talk about starting our own company together at some point. So um, I get advice from them on stuff I'm doing at my job today. I get advice from them on potential jobs I might be looking for, um, you know. So I think in general we're just all from, like I'm just, there's my friends at this point. So um, yeah, they definitely have shaped. Uh, so highly recommend like seeking out mentors. 
I don't think they would think of me as like a mentor or, or uh, me as a mentee. It's just kind of a friend at this point. Yeah. Those are kind of like the best relationships though where it's just yeah. organic and you just want to hang out with them. Yeah. If you have yeah. cool things to talk about, that's cool too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so where do you see yourself going? Like you've kind of tried everything, you've lived everywhere, but you've still clearly got a lot to accomplish still. And so yeah. do you think that you're going to stick with kind of more of the startups? you think you're going to go back to maybe a big company, start your own company? Yeah. Want to hire me if you start your own <laughs> company? <laughs> sure. I don't think I'll ever go, I don't think I'll ever work at a big company. I think at this point it's it's like definitely uh, like we yeah, are working at you know, smaller smaller companies. Um, I, I think Quora is a great place. I'll be there for a very long time. And uh, yeah, I would, I, would, I would love to start something with friends. Like a product, I just need like a, a PM, a dev, a designer, a lawyer, um, and like we could have a company right there. There we go. Yeah. So Easy I have as a lot that. of friends that want to do this, <laughs> and we'll do it. So yeah, I would say, you know, the startup route or the um, or the uh, or like the actual like founding route. Um, yeah, I, can't, I don't know, but who knows? I, I don't. I just can't see myself working at a big company. It's been a long time. I don't know if I'd even be interesting to a big company. <laughs> I'm sure you'd be very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, so do you have any like final advice for anybody who's trying to either break into BD or who's thinking of maybe like making a switch into BD from their current role? I mean, the advice, so like people ask me at Quora too sometimes, like, you know, people who are in other functions. I say like, number one, uh, just absolutely like crush it at the role that you're doing. Uh, that's like the best thing that you could possibly do to make any career, any jump internally to BD or another another function. Um, like that's number one. And then I would say like be be proactive. Um, be proactive without like being annoying uh, to uh, to people within within the organization that you want to work for. Um, you know, try to understand their world and what might be something that is they need help with. Uh, or an extra set of eyes on, or like do some dirty work for them that is mundane and boring, but like you're adding value. Like figure out how, like crush it at your role and figure out how, how you can add value for um, for the person that you want to work for, the team that you want to work for. Um, you know, before just jumping in and saying, "I want to work," like I want to, I want to switch roles. I'm not happy, like all that stuff. Like I think you want to position yourself to be doing a really, really good job at your at your core role so that the company really likes you and wants to keep you and wants to retain you, keep you happy. Um, and then you want to be shown that like you can add value and flex in other areas so that when you present yourself for that for that internal transfer, whether it's to your boss or to um, someone else within the org, you're just a really good candidate for it. Um, so uh, definitely takes patience. Um, so uh, be patient. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you. You gave quite the story. Cool. <laughs> Lots of info. Yeah.